Hey guys, and welcome to this week's episode of The Playful Psychologist. Today, I wanted to chat about some issues that may be really important considering that we're about to enter a new school year. And that issue in particular is fidgeting and whether fidgeting actually helps kids concentrate. I think, you know, we've all been caught up recently in the latest crazes of fidget spinners and whatnot. And I think Unfortunately, I think the kids that really do benefit from fidgeting um, are being punished because the kids that don't really need it, um, you know, are taking advantage and and are just bringing everything to school saying that they need those things to concentrate. So today I wanted to really talk about this issue and break it down to help you guys understand why I believe fidgeting actually does help kids concentrate. So first of all, before we look into that, let's look at what fidgeting actually is. So fidgeting involves making small movements with your body, but usually with your hands and your feet. It's associated with not paying attention. So a lot of people think if you're fidgeting, you're not paying attention and often reflects that a child may be in a little bit of discomfort or restless. So for example, if you as a uni student um, or as, as an adult in a meeting have been listening to a lecture or listening to a meeting for a long time, you may find yourself tapping your your pencil or your leg shaking a little bit. Um, But for kids, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're not paying attention and it doesn't necessarily reflect discomfort. It may in fact be reflecting regulation. So that's what I wanted to really emphasize today. So fidgeting can actually increase a child's physiological arousal and help them feel more alert in situations. And while I guess there's the argument that engaging in something like fidgeting, like any sort of physical activity of fidgeting can provide distraction from whatever activity you're meant to be engaging in. Some scientists are actually now arguing that that mental break that fidgeting provides you with is actually your body's way of trying to stay focused on the task at hand. So I think that's really important. I think it also is important to remember that stress can also cause fidgeting. And when kids are stressed, they may, you know, engage in some sort of like, they may look a bit jittery, I guess. You know, when you see a little one that's a little bit nervous or stressed, they may, you know, be fumbling with their buttons or, you know, playing with a loose thread and that sort of thing. But fidgeting can actually help relieve those feelings of stress. So it's not necessarily for kids that are only finding it hard to concentrate. It can also really help kids that are a little bit anxious. So signs of mild fidgeting can include, um, you know, movements of the head, the limbs, the body, um, tapping the foot, playing with your fingernails or tapping a pencil on the desk, blinking, shifting weight from side to side, um, folding and unfolding arms, crossing and uncrossing legs and so on. And recently, I think we've seen this huge rise in this craze of fidget toys. And all of a sudden, it kind of seems as though every single child in the classroom desperately needs a fidget toy. But what I want to talk about today is whether fidget toys are really beneficial for kids or are they just another way for children to become distracted in the classroom? The short answer to that question is yes. I believe in my professional and personal opinion that fidget items are very helpful And that is especially for children who struggle with any form of sensory integration. So to recap, sensory integration is the term that we use to describe the way that the brain organizes sensations that an individual experiences within their environment. So when an individual has sensory integration, they can receive and take in sensory input. They can interpret that stimuli. They can process that input into a response. 
response and then they can adaptively respond to that you know, stimulus. The sensory system takes information from the environment through the senses and those senses are touch, smell, sound, vision, taste, movement, gravity and processes or interprets those sensations together to make sense of the environment. Consequently, this sensory integration process lays the foundations for efficient operation of our nervous system and other parts of the body that respond to signals sent by the nervous system. So a child consequently responds to these sensory inputs and makes appropriate responses to perform the skills that are required of them. However, children who have difficulties with sensory integration are often diagnosed with sensory processing disorder. So again, just to quickly recap, sensory processing disorder or SPD for short is a neurological disorder that causes difficulties with processing information across our five senses. So those five senses are vision, auditory, touch, olfaction, and taste. In addition, some individuals have difficulties with the sense of movement via the vestibular system or the positional um, kind of sense of their where their body is so proprioception individuals with sensory processing disorder tend to perceive sensory information differently so what that means is that they may receive information normally from their environment but the way that this information is processed by the brain is not typical and that can result in distress discomfort and irritation consequently things like learning in a classroom can be quite difficult for these children furthermore the irritation and anxiety that results due to sensory overload makes coping difficult for children with you know sensory processing difficulties and that can result in more behavioral outbursts that would would you know necessarily be considered typical for their age sensory processing disorder is is extremely common in children who have asd and or adhd but it can also present um, on its own without an additional diagnosis so i think that's something that i think a lot of people assume that uh, only kids with autism or adhd have sensory processing disorder but that's not the case you can have sensory processing issues or a diagnosis of sensory processing disorder without any other diagnosis So now that we know what's going on for these kids, let's talk about how fidget items may help kids that have these sorts of difficulties. So research has shown us that physical activity, even an activity as small as foot tapping or chewing or fiddling, can increase the frequency of neurotransmitters in the brain that are responsible for focus and attention. So in other words, fidgeting can help with neural arousal. It arouses our neurons and our neurotransmitters and makes them fire more appropriately. And research has also shown that there is a correlation between working with our hands, so fiddling or fidgeting and so on, and increased memory and creativity. That is, fidgeting actually helps people better process and retain information. And when I read that, I was like, oh my God, that makes so much sense. Because when I was at school, sometimes I'd find myself like just doodling on the side of a piece of paper, but I'd retained everything that I'd been told. And I, I, you know, soon realized that if I was just drawing on a piece of paper and not drawing like a picture, but just, you know, scribbling on a piece of paper, I was actually better able to take in the information that was being told to me by a teacher. So I guess that's my first hand experience of how fidgeting can help. 
And if we look at some of the research, um, there, there is a little bit of research on fidgeting, but I definitely think we have a long way to go. But one study conducted in 2005 found that children who were given permission to fidget during class time actually learned more quickly than those that were not given permission to fidget. So some examples of popular and effective fidget items include fidget spinners, stress balls, um, yarn that can be knotted and so on. But less effective fidget toys may include um, slime, but let me say that slime should not be mistaken for therapy. They're two distinct different things um, because slime often gets stuck on the hands, clothes and work and really takes complete focus off the task at hand. So yeah, whereas therapy isn't as sticky and um, doesn't stick to much. So you can just like have a little bit in your hand, kind of like blue tack, I guess it's the same thing and just fidget with that instead. So research has also shown us that children who struggle with sustained attention, including those who may have an additional diagnosis such as autism or ADHD, do actually require movement to increase their alertness, help them stay tuned into the lesson at hand or the task at hand, and assist them with cognitive tasks by occupying the parts of their brain that might otherwise be distracted by extraneous stimuli. So what I mean by that is sometimes fidgeting can actually help children's brains stay occupied on a smaller task to ensure that they're not distracted by, you know, what's going on outside the window. Because if they're still, their focus is still kind of in the the environment that they are in, that can really help with their learning as opposed to them being distracted by something that's, you know, completely away from the classroom or whatnot. On that note as well, if we're talking about children with a diagnosis of autism or ADHD, for some children, fidgeting um, might even be a form of a calming ritual. So if you look at stimming for children with autism, um, that is often, you know, I guess misunderstood. That behavior is often misunderstood, but sometimes it's really necessary for that child to calm down. And the same can be said with fidgeting because it can really help comfort and ground those kids when they're feeling very overly stimulated by their environment because it can provide predictability, it can provide routine, it can provide familiarity and structure. So although I guess fidgeting can often be considered a bit of an old wives tale for many children fidgeting is actually paramount to their learning for these children fidget breaks or fidget items should be used frequently throughout the school day to ensure that they are able to maintain sustained attention and the obvious note here is obviously to ensure that the fidget item is not overly distracting to other members of the classroom so not getting something that makes a lot of noise or not getting something like slime that's just you know maladaptive um to what you're trying to achieve. What you want is something that's quiet, discreet, and is solely going to be used by the child for the child. And then it's not going to distract everyone else in the classroom, but it's also, like we said before, only going to occupy that part of the brain that needs occupying. And it's not going to completely distract the child from the lesson at hand. So I guess what I am trying to say or what I'm trying to reiterate is if you are a teacher and you have like a blackout ban on fidget items, that might not necessarily um, be super beneficial for all the kids in your classroom. I totally understand that fidget items can be really distracting and when they get in the wrong hands and, um, you know, kids that don't necessarily need them are getting jealous and saying, well, I need that too. And, you know, that happens. I work with a few kids in the same class at one school 
in particular around the corner from my work. And one little boy that I work with doesn't need any fidget items. I'm very confident that he doesn't. Whereas a, a little girl in his class does need something. So we implemented something for her. And then he came storming into the next session saying, well, I, she got that. I want it. And we really had to talk about how it wasn't necessary for him. And it caused a little bit of a behavior outburst because he was initially trying to convince the teacher and myself that he needed those items, but he didn't. So I fully understand that teachers have their work cut out from them in trying to manage and navigate these things. But I guess that's where it can, um, you know, you can have a little bit of a system in place for certain kids, whether that be um, there's like a fidget drawer or, and there, you know, certain kids are able to go grab something or whether you agree on a fidget item for any given week and that fidget item either stays in the pencil case, in the tidy tray or in their pocket um, and that sort of thing. Make sure fidget items, like I said, are quite small and that they don't make much noise. So fidget spinners aren't necessarily my first choice because they're quite loud um, when you spin them. But something like a tiny bit of blue tack in the hand or a small soft piece of string, that may be a lot more discreet and also doesn't necessarily look like a toy. So not all kids are going to go crazy over it. And I am really passionate about this topic because I really am wanting to make sure that children are not just slipping under the radar or, or are not missing out because children that don't need these additional supports are almost taking advantage. I'm really, really passionate about making sure that the kids that do need these extra measures are having access to them. So I guess that's why I now stock fidget items on the website. So I've recently um, restocked a few things and I've added a number of fidget items to the online store that have kind of included items that cover a range of ages. So from kindergarten to high school and even the workplace these items are really classroom appropriate and they are quite effective in encouraging sustained attention and processing but I've also made sure that I've purposely uh, stocked items that can be used um, you know quietly and discreetly so for example the edamame fidget is completely silent it's so small it can fit in the pocket and it's a little key ring so you can even pop it on the pencil case and a little one can play with it really really discreetly and then you've got things such as the um fidget pen which is a little bit bigger but much more appropriate for kids and sorry teenagers and adults and again it's not like they're whipping out a big toy they're whipping out a, a pen it's appropriate for the age group and it doesn't look like a toy that other kids are going to get distracted with so that's why I've purposefully stocked items that can be used in a variety of age groups in a range of settings kind of meaning that everyone from preschoolers to adults are kind of covered by those fidget items so if you want to have a look at those I can definitely link them in the podcast um, notes for today's episode and we can and yeah you can have a look and just dm me or email me any questions that you may have but i hope that was helpful and i hope that if you're a teacher that's listening you have a bit more of an understanding as to you know why those fidget items from a neurological perspective may be really really important for some kids but i hope you guys have a great week and i'll chat to you guys next time see you later